Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the final two podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, none other than Milwaukee Bucks front office executive and founder of Scouting and Scavenging, Mr. Daniel Marks. Great to have you, Mr. Marks. Mm. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to have you. Great to, thanks for coming on the show. I mean, such a busy man. Taking some time to come on the final two means a lot to us, for real. For real, for real. Mm-hmm. For sure. I heard Jose Reyes was going to be here, but he's not here yet. So I was just on your false pretenses. Listen, Jose, man, that man is busy. I, I, I'm trying to get him on the show too, but with this COVID situation and stuff, we haven't even, I haven't seen him in a bit, but don't worry, that happens. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. So How's everything going? Go How's everything been? Seriously. Yeah. Uh, everything's been good. Just preparing for uh, the draft uh, about a month from Sunday. November 18th, mm-hmm. just doing that and free agency and mm-hmm. um, then trying to stay safe here in Jersey from, from COVID, I think. Still, still got to be careful. I know. I like how you just said preparing for it. Seriously. I like, I like how you're saying preparing for the draft, doing all this. Like, it's a normal thing. Like, that's insane, by the way, that you're like, it's like a normal, yeah, just praying for the draft, just doing a couple <laughs> things with the Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's normal. That's exactly what I'm doing at home, too. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's my seventh year in the NBA. So, like, the first the first year for sure, and then the second and third, you're kind of like, there are certain moments where you're, like, kind of pinch yourself, and then there's other times where it just kind of is, just becomes a routine. Just happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. I mean, you know, that you your story is insane. I mean, starting off, so like myself, I'm a manager right now for FDU Knights. And you were a manager as well. I mean, talk about your road from being a manager to now being a front office executive. And if I'm not mistaken, your position is the manager of prospect information. Talk about that journey, please. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was a manager at Vanderbilt uh, University from 2009 to 2013, um, part-time as a freshman, and then full-time my last three years. Uh, I got an internship with Dime Magazine, which was a basketball magazine based in New York City, uh, after my freshman year. Wrote a story, that was the summer that LeBron went to the Heat, um, and wrote a story about the Bucks having a good off-season that year and kind of it being underrated because everyone was focused on the Heat. I turned out to not be a great off season in retrospect, but the story got picked up by the Bucks Twitter account and passed on to their general manager at the time, John Hammond, who had reached out to me. Uh, his daughter was my year at Van, or his daughter's best friend was my year at Vanderbilt, and um, we had a couple of NBA prospects on our team, so we kind of built up a relationship. I was able to go observe some draft workouts of theirs after my junior year. Um, they called and a number of other teams called after my junior year to get insight into our players at Vanderbilt and some others from the SEC. And through that realized like teams are looking to get as much information as possible for the draft. So I put together my own sort of draft book of contact information for high school, college and AAU coaches for the following year's draft and some scouting reports on players I'd seen and interesting news articles and sort of sent that around had a number of interviews uh, with the Spurs, Hawks, a bunch of G League teams, and then got hired by the Bucks in uh, September of 2013 as an intern, and been there ever since. So you said what you were a story. You said you were at Vanderbilt. So how was that experience like there? Like starting off, 
like seeing all, I mean, for baseball, that's like a huge, that's like literally the, the kingpin of the college world series. So. Yeah. So um, it was cool. I mean, we were really good. My first three years, we won the SEC championship. My junior year, we beat the Kentucky team in the tournament uh, that had uh, Anthony Davis, Deron Lamb, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist. Wow. Marcus and didn't they only have two, they only had two losses that season. Yeah. Indiana and us. Unbelievable. That's crazy. Um, so That's yeah, insane. that was really cool to be a part of. My senior year, we basically lost our top seven players uh, from that championship team. So we were about 500, um, but, you know, made a lot of great friends, still stay in touch. Vanderbilt was a great place to go to school. And that was when our football team was actually good, when James Franklin was the head coach. And then baseball is always competitive, as you mentioned. Um, two, two College World Series titles, number one draft picks, you know, ton of pros. So it was cool to see uh, see that as well. That's just That's a winning insane. culture. I mean, you had right that, whole, that whole, like, transaction from – freshman or senior I mean that's that's all that's got to be you got to be looking at that and you're just in awe like witnessing all that in front of you not only was not only was your position moving up towards to the executive position obviously now you're the manager of prospect information but you also took on a, a new role and that's being a founder of a charitable foundation so really what inspired you to start up that organization, scouting and scavenging, and how long has it been in effect now? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think when, when you work in sports and you can kind of get caught up in trying to move up and uh, how can I get this position? What, what can I do to break in? What, and then once you're in, what can I do to get here? What can I do to be on the road yeah. more? What can I do to make more connections? And then it's like, you kind of realize like you're advancing in your career, but you're not always like super fulfilled because it's all professional um, accomplishments. And I wanted to do something to give back and, and find a way to do that. And I had seen an, uh, a tweet and I still don't know who wrote this tweet. It was probably about four or five years ago. I could have sworn it was Ian O'Connor, who's a writer for ESPN. But I reached out to Ian and he says he never tweeted it. So I'm still looking for the person who tweeted it. But they, they said they traveled uh, and covered the Yankees and collected unused hotel toiletries from their travels to donate to a homeless shelter at the end of the season. And I was like, oh, that's like a neat idea. But it's one of those things you're just like, oh, that's cool. You read a story and then you just move on. And then for whatever reason, I was in Vegas this year for the G League Showcase uh, in December uh, of 2019. And I was like, I was like, you know what, I, I, I should start doing this myself and like collecting myself. And then I was like, you know what, I've made a lot of contacts in the G League and college and NBA. Why don't I try to get some other people to do it? Uh, started an Instagram page, got people participating. Uh, fast forward to March, COVID hits, hits New Jersey uh, as hard as anywhere other than New York City in the country had people send me their supplies they had collected, had some hotels donate, had a uh, one-time fundraiser, and then we were able to distribute 2,100 uh, full toiletry kits, shampoo, soap, lotion, body wash, toothpaste, toothbrush, uh, to residents in New York, New Jersey in June. Round of applause. Round of applause for that one right there from the final That's two. Oh, man. That is not only a lot of dedication, but the amount of hard work you're putting in and all those events and all those actions that you made is truly phenomenal. I mean, I want to say that we, we took the pledge 
spoke with you last night about it and we're going to do the same thing because I'm always traveling with the team as in regards to going to different hotels. So I will be helping a part of that and Oliver as well. And we just want to say thank you for having us join. No, for sure. And I appreciate you guys coming to support. And we were able to, through our partnership in Newark, we volunteered every Wednesday after our initial event. And Greg Horenda, who who you work for, Sal, has been unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is as good of a guy in this industry as I've found. You know, you have a lot of people who say, oh, if you ever need anything, give me a call. And then you call them and it's like, it's like, oh, did you change your number? Where, where'd you go? <laughs> Greg, yep. Greg, Greg showed up every Wednesday, brought, you know, the women's coach, uh, baseball coach, Rob Datoma, softball coach, Chris Foy was out there, uh, Ange Suzumala and some of her staff, athletic mm-hmm. director, uh, Bradford Hurlbut was out there one Wednesday. So he was, he was on it, you know, took the pledge, has, has been all in and um, you, you work for a really, really good guy. You know what, too? I, mm-hmm. I, I, like the same thing we had Seth Greenberg on the show, and he was saying that no matter how big you get, you always have to give back. And I'm going to ask you the same exact question. How did you stay true to yourself still to give back? Because a lot of people say, I, I'm going to give back when I, when I become successful or whatever, but they don't. How did you stay true and like, yeah, I'm still going to give back exactly how I promised? Yeah, so it was, you know, my parents growing up, like I, I'd seen them give back. Uh, to their community. My dad is actually uh, a lawyer for Holocaust survivors. He, um, wow. he wow. Uh, represents them in pension claims uh, against the German government for the work that they did in the slave labor camps and the concentration camps. So I, from a young age, kind of was uh, taught about what it means to help others and help those less fortunate. And he basically was high-powered lawyer in Washington, D.C. had worked in for a congressman from California and then took on this case pro bono and won the case. Uh, And then all these other Holocaust survivors started reaching out to him and he opened his own law practice. uh, And he's been doing that for 25 years now. Um, And then just being involved, you know, my parents were always involved in the community, the school board, our local synagogue, um, you know, grandparents, you know, same thing. Like that was, instilled in me from a young age. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, there was a part of me that became kind of so consumed with chasing professional success and professional goals that I lost a little bit of that in myself. Um, You know, especially two years ago, we had a, I was a director of operations for our G League team and we were 12 and 38. And like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Like didn't perform on the court. We had like five different flights get canceled in one month. Like travel was a nightmare. Um, we had 27 players come through our roster, which was the most in the league. So dealing with the logistics of all that. And it was like, I wasn't happy personally, like my relationships with my family, with my girlfriend at the time, you know, my coworkers all kind of suffered. So after that experience, I kind of was like, you know what, I need to be more balanced. I want to find more balance. Mm-hmm. And was seeking something and then this idea kind of came and was able to fulfill that that aspect that I've always had in me but I had kind of neglected and now it's like doing this and building these relationships and meeting the people that I've been able to meet through scouting and scavenging has not only been a great way to give back and help others but it also has helped me professionally be better at my job because now I'm more centered I'm more focused um and it allows me to take, to enjoy the job and realize how lucky I am to be able to do what I do. 
how how hard was it to get that balance though? Because you say that you needed it, but it takes time. I mean, I, at first you're doing all this to get to that next step as a ladder, working your, your butt off. And then you realize, hold up, but I also need to enjoy my life. So how hard was that though to realize that? Yeah. So that last year, that, 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 uh, 18, 19 season, I had no balance. Uh, my balance was the scale continuing to trend in the upward direction because I was eating everything in sight to try to deal with the stress. So in Wisconsin, you've got custard and fried cheese and there was no, no shortage of unhealthy options for me to indulge in. So I, I kind of realized like that's not the best way to, to deal with the stress and deal with it. So, you know, I think working out, um, you know, taking time to do things, for yourself like I'm a big believer in you don't have to work 12 hours a day to show that you're working hard if you can get something done in six hours and then use those other six hours to enjoy yourself don't take 12 hours just mm. for the sake of saying you work 12 hours like I, I, mm. I hate that and I think I love that I love that you know it's kind of the same thing when writing scouting reports like when I first started writing scouting reports I'm like man, I need to write the longest, most detailed scouting reports. And then it's like the audience for a scouting report is your director of scouting, your assistant GM, your GM. And they're getting hundreds of phone calls, emails, text messages a day. So if they see a three-page scouting report from me, they're going to be like, oh, this is too long and I don't have time to read it. So you have to be concise in how you communicate the information in that way. And then that's what I try to do. Like I'll you know, and during COVID, kind of the same thing. Like, I'll say, like, I'm going to really work hard for these three hours. And then, you know what, I'm going to go read a book. Or we hosted some webinars on different topics during COVID um, through scouting and scavenging, which were great. And, you know, doing something like this uh, with you guys or volunteering each Wednesday. I think you can, you know, I think there's a common misperception that you know, you have to, and look, there are people who give up everything and throw themselves into their, their work and they're happy without that other stuff in their life. That that's not me. Um, I, you know, so do you feel like, um, it's because of your age now, because for example, for us being like starting off now, isn't that, that time span you have to in the beginning, do whatever it needs to do to get the ball rolling. And then you kind of let off a little bit would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, I think for sure. Like when you're young, you're trying to prove yourself. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, you know, I get calls. I'll work for free. I'll scrub the floors. And I was making <laughs> the same calls. Literally. Um, and then, you know, I, I always tell people like, do whatever job you're asked to do first. So if you're told to fill the coffee, make sure the coffee is always filled. Cause if they can't trust you to fill the coffee machine, then how are they going to trust you to take notes on a trade discussion? Mm. Um, so build that trust with, with what you're asked to do. And then gradually they'll come more. And there's times where you're frustrated, like, man, I could be doing more or man, this isn't that stimulating or I'm bored or, you know, why did I take this $15,000 internship when I had an offer in finance for 65? Like, you know, you're going to, you're going to question your career choice and probably the case in any industry, but this one in sports, the, the supply of jobs. And now that COVID has hit, the supply is so much less than the demand for people that want to work in sports. Um, yeah. And I think you have to work hard. You have to have that mindset and, you know, be willing, you, you know, you're on call a lot and you have to be willing to answer the phone and do things yeah. at odd hours. But I personally am a believer that, 
you're a more productive, better worker if you have that balance. Because if you're just staring at a screen, trying to do it, trying to do yep. everything, you can just kind of wear yourself out. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great key advice that you gave, especially it's, it's all about prioritizing your time, what you're doing, making sure, like you said, what they're giving you, your tasks are the first to be done. So actually, I was going to go into that. I mean, you were working it from a manager at Vanderbilt, and now you're, you worked all the way up. You got denied a couple of internships, but now you got that position with Milwaukee. Bring me through that first day on the job, what that was like. So there was a couple of moments for me that kind of like were like pinch yourself moments. Um, <laughs> so first, first day, obviously, like walking into an NBA facility as an intern and like you know, I had a desk in an old storage closet with a computer that the Wi-Fi was so slow. I had to work at someone else's desk on their computer for the first like week or two. In there, my um, God! Yeah, man, it was that. That's <laughs> me and our analytics guy were working. It was a converted like storage closet for old uh, like VHS and DVD tapes of like old games. Um, mm, down the shelves and. Uh, so that was cool. The first draft I was a part of, we drafted Jabari Parker with the second pick. Being Jabari, I remember that draft. Yeah, I love being that in the room for that was really neat. Um, you know, my, my first week on the job, I had to house it for Giannis when the cable guy came. Get out of here. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I mean, Giannis was a rookie at the time, so nobody knew he was going to be this good. But I was there mm -hmm. at like 8, 8.30, and I was – it was like the cable guy says, we'll come between 10 and four. Yeah. And <laughs> so it was my Dang, first if you don't mind. I didn't, know, I didn't know any restaurants. They told me don't leave, just stay in his apartment. So I was starving at like three o'clock. Oh my goodness. So I go into his pantry and like take like three Oreos. And then the next day <laughs> he comes up to me. He's like, he's like, Hey Dan, did, did you eat my Oreos? I'm like, uh, no. And then it, I Dang, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, like, what? Dan, if you don't mind, what is it like just standing in front of this behemoth? We're talking about a seven-foot Greek god. What, what is that? What is that like? Just sitting. So he was, I mean, like this was like forty-five pounds of muscle. Less, so yeah. He was, a rookie, so he was really skinny and lanky uh, at that point. But it was like I was like shocked. But you know, he grew up um, poor in, in Greece, and his family, you know, they had to. It was. You, you know, you get four cookies, your brother gets four cookies and your other brother, you know, so he yeah. like, would count how many cookies there were because that was how he grew up. <laughs> so that's how he knew that I had taken three, three cookies from his thing. Oh my that, the, anytime Giannis sees me, the first thing he says is, that's the man that stole my Oreos. <laughs> Seven years later and that's all he remembers me about. So I, what time did the cable guy end up coming? He got there, I was there until like 4.30. Damn. He didn't make the 10 to 4 cut? Jesus oh, Well, he got there before 4, but by the time he finished, it was... Oh, okay. Wow. Hmm. What a, that's insane. What a man. What a man. Who could make that up? Like, you just stole Giannis's Oreos. That's awesome. Since these guys are so <laughs> tall and lengthy, is their house humongous? Like, they can't have a ceiling in their house. Am I wrong here? No, like, they do. I mean, he had a regular apartment, condo. Uh, they've got, you know, I'm sure his house now, I haven't been to, he has a, a house yeah. in the suburbs, so <laughs> oh, it's, he's upgraded. <laughs> a little bit, right? Just a little bit upgrade. Yeah. Mansion. That's insane. 
Yeah, I mean, like, man. thinking about that, like, you got – so you're meeting – you're making friends with players like Giannis, I'm sure other stars in the league that are, you know, familiar faces. But, listen, for myself, I mean, I'm a huge – I was a huge uh, LeBron fan. I still am, of course. And, but growing up, I was a Jason Kidd fan. I mean, I'm from – yeah, yeah. I'm from like, New Jersey. I'm know, a LeBron, I LeBron fan. Man. I just want to let you know I'm a LeBron fan with like a jersey <laughs> literally hanging right there. I got. I'm a LeBron fan. Come on, man. The King. Personally, we'll not debate about it, but I I consider him one of the greatest. Again. Anyways, though, growing up, I will say though, I was a big Jason Kidd fan. I grew up. My family is huge diehard Nets fans. When they were, of course, when they were in New Jersey. Now. I asked that because you were a big uh, – doing research on you, you were a big Jason Kidd fan growing up, and there was a – you were working with him. I mean, he was the head coach at the time at Milwaukee. So what was that like, kind of like meeting your idol and having conversations with him? And something that struck out was, uh, you know, he surprised you at your birthday event. Talk about that. Yeah, so when I was a kid, I was a diehard Nets fan. Jason Kidd, Kenyon Martin, Kerry Kittles, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson. Nina, Jason Collins, Lucius Icon. Harris, you know, all those guys uh, in the mid 2000s. And I invited Jason to my birthday party one year. I'd sent him a letter uh, when I was like 10 or 11 and uh, didn't respond, uh, obviously. Um, <laughs> my mom had kept a copy of the letter and she had come out. They had come out to Milwaukee for a weekend. Uh, there's a concert series in Milwaukee called Summerfest. Uh, after my intern year and my mom gives me this letter it's a Saturday and she's like oh you know this isn't this cool like you used to write letters to NBA players and now you're working in the NBA and I'm like yeah that, that, that's me and then like 10 hours later there's breaking news like Jason Kidd to be named the new head coach of the Bucks and I was like I was like what like that was and like that she had like brought that letter and then so you know that Monday, I, I, you know, was talking to our general manager and uh, there was a lot of stuff that went on, you know, behind the scenes about that hiring. But instead, you know, it's crazy. My mom brought this letter uh, in that I had written to Jay and she, he's like, oh, you got to show him. And so a few months later, I, I showed him that letter. I was, I was really nervous. Like, you know, he signed it, have it framed. Um, and we were able to establish a good relationship and, um, you know, really happy for him that he won a championship as assistant coach with the Lakers. And uh, with my birthday, you know, that first birthday after he got hired, my mom sent a cake and she's like, you, it said you invited Jason Kidd to your birthday 14 years ago. Now he can show up and I uh, took a picture and I put it on Instagram and it got picked up by like SI, uh, Mike and Mike in the morning had like a little wow. picture on it. Huge. That's ESPN. amazing. Yeah, a sports center tweeted about it. Uh, so that was that was really cool. So is that the moment you yes. said to yourself, I, I made it like I, I accomplished what I wanted to in life. Now it's time to double double dip it. Or was it like, ah, you know, no, that was pretty cool. I mean, it was cool like that. It went viral. Uh, I would say the cooler part was like the first time when I handed him the letter because I was I had only shook shaken his hand once before so that was and then kind of you know as I got to know him it just became sort of like normal oh he's the coach and you see see him good morning coach how you doing morning Daniel how you doing you know see him in the cafeteria all that stuff so there is it became sort of I don't want to say like a normal like you know 
oh, we're hanging out together. Yeah, literally, and, yeah. You know, but like as normal as like your childhood idol and you could have a relationship. Isn't it crazy how like these people are normal people? Like you see them as like superstars growing up. You see them on television. You feel like they're untouchable. But once you're next to them, it's like, wow, this guy is just like me. Two legs, two arms. Just seriously, the same guy. So, and when we oh, had no. when we had Seth Greenberg yesterday, I mean, for once, I'm always watch. I've watched ESPN since I was a little kid, man. And watching all the college game days, you know, every Saturday morning, yeah. whether it be college football, college basketball, I was always seeing Seth Greenberg for college basketball. And you know, having him on uh, earlier in the week, I mean, it was just like. You were just talking about talking to anybody like you normally would. And I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And you could just say that um, I spoke with Seth Greenberg. He's a nice guy, down to earth, all that. It's really cool. And especially in your case, meeting Jason Kidd, that's, that's awesome. Just, you know, being cool with him. Yeah, right no, on. I mean, it, it is, you know, there's the, you know, and there's certain players, like, when you see them where you're, like, you're, like, kind of in awe, you know, Kareem yeah. come around, Oscar Robertson, you know. The greats. Oh, wow. You know, Julius Irving, I was at the Hall of Fame and met him. Like, wow. certain guys, you know, and even, you know, LeBron, and he's, like, you know, Kobe when he played his last game in Milwaukee and was around. Like, there's certain guys that you're kind of, like, still a little little goosebumps when you see them or get God. to shake your it hand. Was, it, I have a crazy story because uh, one day we were uh, – I was working out with Jose and we're obviously Jose Reyes is whatever, like big time guy. So we're working out and Carlos Gomez comes in like as a Dominican baseball player, you grew up watching these guys and he walks in the, the weight room or working out. He's like, what's up, bro? He's like, Oh, it's my friend Oliver. And he's like, what's up? And he's like chilling there. I'm like in my head, I'm like, Oh my God, how did I not go fan crazy right now? Yeah. What's up, Bali? How you doing? Nice to meet you. With his hands like this huge. I'm like, ah, oh, Hey, how you doing brother? Like, Chilling then you're just like, oh, my God. Like, uh, I don't know. I just had to share that story. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, for sure. There are certain people that, you know. <laughs> it was, it's. Get that feeling with. I know. It's just crazy. Keep going. Oh, continue. Sorry. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, no, we, gonna... were, we were at another event together, and all of a sudden, Cano and uh, uh, Rosario pull up, and they come in, and I'm just like, like, I didn't even go say hi to them. Because I was like, I, I, how, I don't want to act like the fan guy. Like, they're all hanging out and stuff like that. I'm going to go over there and be like a fan girl. Like, I was like, no, I'm, I'm like, fine. But it's just crazy to actually know these people are normal people. They're just, just like us. And I don't know. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, seriously. And it goes along for anybody in the world that, you know, aren't put into situations that we're in. It's just, you know, like, they're going to have that big title. They're going to look like, like we just said, Ali, like, untouchable on TV. I'm sure people like LeBron, KD, or anybody that you would meet that you see on TV, everyone slanders them. They're probably down to earth and like nice people. And I'm sure Jason Kidd, of course, one of them. Cool story. I mean, also like I saw Jason Kidd. I was I was like what four or five years old, and my parents bumped into him on the highway. They, he was driving behind us. We were stuck in traffic. He was just like waving at us. What's up? How are you guys doing? My mom's like freaking out. Ah, Jason Kidd. Like we were just going crazy. <laughs> but again, going back like. You started your first day, you're meeting all these people, you're meeting the greats, like you just mentioned. I mean, what, what is your routine like now moving forward? I mean, especially you could talk about it pre-COVID and you could also talk about what it was like with the bubble. Yeah, so it was, uh, I mean, I was not in the bubble, so nothing changed mm -hmm. uh, when the team was down there. I mean, 
COVID, I've been working remote this whole year. So I've been based in New Jersey uh, here. So, you know, my routine, I wouldn't say I have like a typical routine because kind of it just depends on what what John needs or what our scouting department needs um, or, or our G League general manager, Dave Dean, what they need on a, on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. Um, I have sort of some overarching stuff like scouting reports and Intel stuff to do um, generally, but like in terms of a specific wake up, do X, Y, Z, then do ABC. Like that, it, it doesn't really work like that in the industry. Which is like good. I think mm-hmm. the only Un, the only certainty I say is uncertainty. Like, mm. you know, every day, like, especially when I was in the G League, like, I could say, all right, I need to get ABC done. And then our player gets hurt. And it's like, okay, now we got to go get him an MRI. And then the day comes and it's like, well, I got half of A done. What did I do today? But it's like, you have to kind of just prioritize and put out fires and um, figure out what's most important to get done at, at a given time. Is is doesn't that make the job cool though? That every day there's something like different. That it's like it's you said, it's not an A B C right? D day. It's like you never know what the next day could hold, and it could be completely different than what you did the day before. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely does make it cool. I mean, there are certain times where you're like, would want more stability, like you know, at, at times, but it's not, I, I do enjoy that kind of unpredictability of it. Hmm. It's a cool, that's so, a cool I mean, job. He, I mean, Ali, he, you've, he's accomplished so many goals throughout his career. I mean, which, so far, which one would you think stuck, uh, stuck out to you the most, stood out to you the most? Well, that's like, as far question. as, um, <laughs> you know, I was, I've always wanted to work in sports, realized pretty quickly it wasn't going to be getting paid as an athlete. Um, so I thought maybe on the media side or on the team side, ended up kind of going into the team side. I think less like what I've accomplished personally and more just the people that I've gotten to meet through mm. this, the relationships I've been able to build, whether it's at Vanderbilt or with the Bucks. Um, you know, because it's cool to like – say, oh, I scouted this player for our G League team and he became, you know, an all-league player. Like, that's that's really cool. But, like, the memories, you know, you get from taking a six-hour road trip or, you know, being in meetings with people and playing basketball at midnight after after the NBA draft with, with your staff as a kind of way to unwind. And Wait, uh, wait, I didn't even know that oh, was a thing. How is that? that? How is that? Yeah, like, yeah, let's go Hold play on, pickup playing in it. Hold on, you're playing in an empty arena? Like the arena? No, no, no. Just at our practice facility, like a lot of times after okay. the draft is over because we put in so much work and like, yeah, you know, just kind That's of a so bit cool. of That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's, I like how you say it so casually. Yeah, after the draft, we just go play pickup. <laughs> yeah. Come on, after man. I watch seven my years TV that... show, I just go to bed. <laughs> put in seven years of hard work in the nba i mean you're you're perfecting and you're on not only are you doing that i mean you're working with the g league as well like as you mentioned and you have your own found charity foundation i mean this is yeah dang, i mean like, if i had to say like one of the things like the being able to distribute those toiletries especially during covid i mean that was as rewarding of a day as i've had professionally and personally um, and a lot of college coaches come out, Steve Peichel from Rutgers, Greg Herenda, uh, mm-hmm. Mitch Henderson and Carla Baroud from Princeton, Tony Bazella from Seton Hall, uh, Joe Lochran from Rutgers Newark, Jeff Rafferty, Matt Laughlin from WFA Radio. A lot mm-hmm. of people 
came out um, to support, which was really cool to see. Tony Skin and Dwayne Woodward assistants at Seton Hall. Um, so that was really cool to see and be able to give back. And the mayor of Newark came and addressed our group for a few minutes. Um, that's amazing. So that, that, that's accomplishment. Really cool. And, you know, I'd say, honestly, like for me, like the, the gratitude, like the guy that was our intern um, with the herd for, for the two seasons I was there, his name's Mike Newton. And mm -hmm. Mike started out and he was struggling, uh, got kind of thrown into the fire, wasn't necessarily ready. We had kind of a tough situation. We, our arena was still being built. We didn't have an office. We were kind of working out of our apartments in the local YMCA. Mm. Um, you know, there was, there was some bumps in the road between the two of us and I, I wasn't kind of mentoring him and teaching him kind of what the expectations were. And we, we just didn't have a great relationship those two months. And we kind of had to sit down right around Christmas. And, you know, I said, Hey, you know, what are you, what do you want to get out of this? What am I doing? Well, what am I doing wrong? Kind of told him to do the same thing. We kind of talked about it. Our relationship grew from there. Um, he came back for a second year, you know, did a really good job. I, I kind of told him, Hey man, it's a two-year internship. Like you got to this year, use it to network, meet people. He, he um, would let other teams in for shoot around. He, he did that with the Santa Cruz Warriors, was able to establish a relationship with their then assistant GM, Ryan Atkinson. Mm. Uh, Ryan became mm. the GM last summer uh, of Santa Cruz and hired Mike uh, in a, in a full-time role. Um, and then, through that, he was also able to become the coach of their 2K esports team. Oh, uh, shoot. And he made uh, the team made the finals of the esports NBA uh, 2K league this year. So for me, like those types of things, seeing like Mike from where he started to now, you know, being uh, on ESPN coaching uh, his 2K team, like that's where I get the most gratitude. Like that's, that's really cool for me. That's, that's crazy that you say that because especially like you were just talking about the different avenues that he's went through and now he's at 2K. I mean, we spoke to uh, for, uh, 2K players mm -hmm. from the Nets and the, the Hawks. They were on the show. I would love yeah. to be in contact with him, especially talking about like how he was able to work with you and then somehow all the way get to the 2K Sports League. That's, that's insane, that avenue and that road. I mean, is that something that interests that you, by the way? Friends? That. no i mean i haven't played 2k in like a year and a half you know i <laughs> yeah i, I haven't either <laughs> I, I played a lot in college like my game was ncaa football like i love oh. uh, basketball that those obviously because of uh likeness and you know the ncaa uh stuff that aren't available anymore but you know i used to play with boise state was my team and kellen moore was the quarterback um, wow. but we have battles in the dorms um, with, <laughs> with those games and 2k too but kind of haven't played as much uh i've gotten more into like if i'm my free time watching movies or, or reading yeah re reading so, so yeah, go ahead so. ollie you got it now you got no it? no i kind of i kind of before we even get to like i was gonna ask you about books but i kind of want to get your take because you're a big basketball guy what you thought of the last dance like what did you think of Michael Jordan telling his story in that way? So, I mean, it was really cool just as a basketball fan to, to see that and see all of those people from basketball history talk about Michael and, and what he was like as a teammate, as a competitor, as a person, as a player. Um, you know, it was, it was a really neat 
thing, you know, obviously, you know, there was some controversy because he had to like get final approval on like what was put in and said in the documentary. So some people were like, Oh, it was too, you know, nice of a portrayal to like, at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to debate any of that. Uh, I, I was just really enjoyable to see all of that old footage and oh, that, yeah. mm-hmm. grateful that they released it during COVID. It was definitely something to look forward mm-hmm. to in the early months. Yeah, everybody. I have to agree. Like that. with the debating, I have to agree. Like with the debating, like whenever it's like uh, I'll speak with somebody about it, they'll bring it up in the topic. Like because sometimes we'll see it on ESPN talking about you know LeBron's fourth ring. Is he you know how small is the gap now and all that. Personally, I feel it's just all opinionated. I mean, statistics shows, you know, who's better, who's not. Personally, I, I love LeBron. That's just my guy. <laughs> you know who he's thinking. <laughs> you know who he's thinking. <laughs> but listen, listen. The thing is, though, I feel like when it comes to the debate, I'm sure both of you guys can agree, it always gets negative. I feel like I get too negative when it comes to that. Like, like with the passing Kobe, God rest his soul, you know, what a legend. He said it best, and when it came to a certain podcast or show he was on, he feels like, you know, debating is just, you know, it's too, it's too judgmental. You know, like, just enjoy what's in front of you. We're, we're, we're witnessing greatness. We truly are. And you no, I agree with that. And I think, I think yeah. debating is fun and all, but I think you can get so caught up in, oh, well. Seriously. He didn't do yeah. this, that, or the other, and MJ did, or, you know, whatever, back and forth, like you know, what he's done, what MJ's done, what a lot of great players in in their careers have done. Like it's, you know, just, just appreciate that you get a chance to watch athletes who are this special. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. I always say, I always say this too. I'm like, they're always evolving. So like Kobe Bryant says it, he goes, there's no me without Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan is the one that kind of like I learned from. So it's like, you got to understand that there's uh, an evolution of play that are just going to get better and better. And they're, but, Thank God to our founding fathers that led that to that point. So I don't think debating is like who's better, who's not. Let's just enjoy and watch this guy play and just be all great. Like they're all great. Congratulations. Like just enjoy watching it. That's what I feel personally. Seriously. Seriously. I agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. But before we let you go, I want to ask you personally, like what type of books would you recommend to our audience, to us that set you apart from the others? Books or bucks? Books, books, books. Okay, I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you want me to recommend? <laughs> sorry, this Dominican <laughs> accent. I'm sorry. Say <laughs> <a> Dominican uh, <laughs> accent. <laughs> um, so, book. I'm a huge reader. Like, I love to read. Uh, I'll go on Twitter and favorite articles throughout the day, and then read them before I go to bed mm-hmm. at night. Um, you know, I I'm a big book. I've read a ton of books during COVID. Um, you know, I, I'm not like a huge like self-help, like, you know, here's how to be the best in business mm. guy. I, I read those articles and, and there's, you know, good, good stuff there. I'm, I'm a history junkie. So I like reading history about civil. My favorite book of all time is, is Hellhound on His Trail about the assassination of Martin Luther King and the search for his killer. Mm. Uh, mm. That, that, uh, so the civil rights era has always fascinated me. I've read a number of books about that. Um, Nelson DeMille and John Grisham are, are two of my favorite fiction authors. Um, you know, read, reading sports biographies, um, I really like. You know, I've, I've definitely read some books about the current president that have, that have come out. Uh, you know, had, to, had, to, had to see that what all the gossip was about. Um, but 
I think it's not like, you know, people would say like, oh, what books can I read to, to get better? And, and there are books you can read to get better and, and improve. Um, and, and there's articles that I read and I'm like, wow. I mean, Scouting and Scavenging was the genesis of a tweet, uh, you know, that I saw. So there, there is merit to that. And, and I, people that do that and highlight articles and, and stuff, I think that's, that's great. Uh, when I read personally, it's more to learn about a topic I'm interested in. And, and relax. Um, mm. I think too much in this industry, like I catch myself refreshing my emails, refreshing our scouting database, refreshing texts or watching film and just staring at a screen. Um, and it becomes just. It's like an addiction, really. <laughs> yeah, it is an addiction. And there was that, there was that, uh, Netflix documentary that just came out, The Social Dilemma, about, you know, social media use, but, and it's great, like, I love being on Twitter, I, I you know, I enjoy following, following certain people on Twitter more than others, but mm -hmm. I, I, I use books as, like, I'm going to put my phone down and not yeah. work two hours and just sit and read, or go in the pool and sit by the pool and read, like, that's why I like reading. Mm -hmm. It's awesome, man. Show this is I love this I love this conversation we had with you, Mr. Mark. This is awesome. We could sit and, here all day and talk to you. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> we do, you do have of course plans ahead of today, so we definitely want to you know be respectful of your time. And again, we thank you so much for coming on the show. Seriously, what an oh, honor! Round of applause. Round of applause. Seriously, this was a pleasure. And again, ladies and gentlemen, this was the final two podcast thank you so much mr marks